is wonderful. We thank God for celebrating. Amen. But I want to thank you for taking time and not, not uh, allowing your schedule to get so full that you miss out on worshiping the King. Amen. And uh, not putting other folks down that are not here. But thank you for being here. I know that you don't have to be, but you chose to be. And that's special to me. Amen. We're going to dismiss our children at this time to go to children's ministry. Praise God. Let's give God a good God bless you for this generation rising up. Amen. Praise God. Appreciate all of the, those who serve to make that uh, those children's time most effective. Amen. They're not just babysitting, but they're learning the gospel on their level, right? Amen. And that's a great thing. Praise God. Today I want to talk to you about uh, something. There, there is a sound to freedom. How many know there's a sound to freedom? Our national anthem says that rockets burst in the air, right? Red bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. There's a sound to freedom. There's also a sound in the spirit to freedom. And that is the sound of praise unto God. Do you know there is a reoccurring theme throughout the scriptures that declares that praise precedes freedom? Amen. Many have been taught incorrectly. We have been taught that we praise as a response of God's presence. And that is uh, not totally incorrect. Whenever you sense God's presence, then you ought to praise him. But the reality of it is, is that our praise is not a a response to his presence, but our praise is an invitation for his presence to come. And even though that we may not sense him, he is here. Even though that we may not be physically aware because of all of the the chaos, the frustration, the minutia of life that is surrounding us and overwhelming us, we are not aware of his presence does not mean that he is not present. But when we begin to praise him, it causes our focus to go toward him. And in that moment, we become aware of his presence. And that's the reason why that we have praise and worship at the beginning of the service. Amen. People have been through all kinds of trouble just this week. However many there is sitting in this room this morning, we all have a different story. We've all been through different things all week long. Some today may be still in your mind. You're sitting here physically, but mentally you're somewhere else because of the pressure of your mind. You're, you're distracted by the chaos or the frustration that is going on in your life. And, and you're, you're troubled in all of those areas and, and all of those things that are going on. And, and, and it is true that we go through trouble, we go through life all week long. And so when we come together such as we chose to come together today, we have come from all different areas. We have come from all kinds of different situations. We have come from all kinds of different circumstances into one place. And as we come into one place, then we no longer or we have to make a choice to no longer focus on what we have been dealing with all week. Because you see, some are dealing with marriages. We're not talking about a bad hair day. We're talking about real issues, kids driving you crazy, family issues, work issues. It might be health issues. Someone in this building this morning, no doubt, have the worst week they've ever had in their life. 
but you chose to come together into the house of the Lord and when we come together we give God some strong praise and when we choose to give him strong praise why because our strong praise is to invite God into the midst of our circumstance and do what only he can do secondly it is to let the devil know that we know where our strength is it is not in our ability it's not in our talent it's not in what we are able to do but as David said I will look unto the hills from where comes my help because my help is coming from the Lord the maker of heaven and of earth amen but the third reason that we give God strong praise is to break everything off of us that the enemy has tried to put upon us amen that's the reason why that that whenever he comes in like a flood the spirit of the Lord will raise up that standard but we've got to praise him he'll try to put doubt on us he'll try to put fear and failure on us he'll try to put sickness on us he'll try to put lack on us he'll 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 try to put a spirit of heaviness and depression upon us amen and I know that that some today say it don't take all of that but I want to tell you that the Bible said that you can't bind the strong man until you bind the man that is binding the house right you can't spoil the strong man's house unless you first bind him what is our strong worship our worship is binding the strong man our worship is taking everything the enemy has tried to put up on our life and cause it to come off of us amen and so what we're doing is we're not just here going through the motions we're not here just going through the process of what is called church but we're here breaking the bondage we're here breaking the mindset we're here loosening the chains of the captivity so that we can enter into the presence of one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly and above all that we're able to ask or even think and so what we have to do is we've got to get something inside of us released to the one that is above us so that we can conquer what is trying to get on us amen and a weak little praise isn't going to break a strong industrial strength devil a little sissy praise isn't going to break the stronghold it's not going to push hell back but whenever you open your mouth and give God a heartfelt praise, a heartfelt worship, it may be the loneliest place you've ever been. It may be the darkest place you've ever walked through. But if you can muster up and push out of your heart a praise toward God, it will dispel the work of the enemy is trying to do against your life. See, I, I've never seen a depressed praiser. Amen. You can't praise God and stay depressed. Amen. I said you cannot praise God and stay depressed. You may praise him in a depressed place, but you can't stay there if you praise him. Because your mourning is going to turn to dancing. Your sorrow will turn into joy. Huh? Why? Because I made a choice that I'm going to praise him. You see, our praise has, a, our, our, our freedom has a sound. And the Bible said to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It did not say put over the garment of praise over the spirit of heaviness. It said put on the garment of praise for. In other words, you can't wear both suits at the same time. Amen. You've got to make a choice. Which one am I going to put on today? Am I going to put on the suit of depression or am I going to put on the suit of praise? Am I going to mourn today or am I going to laugh today? Am I going to have sorrow today or am I going to have joy today?
Amen. The choice is up to me. I make a choice that I put on the garment of praise. Amen. And whenever I begin to praise him, amen, all of the things that the enemy has tried to place upon my life, something will happen in the spirit. Why? Because praise is more than something we do to fill a 30-minute spot so everyone can get up in the house. Oh, no. Praise is a weapon that destroys the yoke and removes the burden. Praise is something that will annihilate the work of hell so the word of God can get into your spirit, find a lodging place, and give birth to new things in your life. Amen. We've all been called to praise and worship God. Amen. We've all been called to praise and worship God. I preach because of the second consequentary action of sin that Adam did. Amen. The consequences of sin call for a preacher because how can they hear unless there be a preacher and how can he preach unless he be sent, right? You walking with me? Amen. And so I preach because of the consequences of sin. But if I, there would have been no sin, I'd still be a worshiper. And whenever this life is over and whenever the work has been done, and whenever I lay down the Bible and I fight the good fight and I finish my course and I run my race on the other side, I'll never preach another message, but I'll still be worshiping him. Amen. I'll still be giving him the praise and the honor and the glory. Why? Because I was called to worship him first. I was created to worship God. And so today I want to tell each and every one of you that we were called to worship God. Amen. That is our assignment. Thank God for Sister Melissa and thank God for the worship team. But they're not here to put on a show. They're not here to sing for us. They're here to lead us in worship so that we can all join into worship and praise him. Amen. And I just want to deputize every one of you here this morning. And I want to appoint you the worship leader of your row. Amen. And make sure everyone on your row is worshiping. Praise God. Amen. And tell your neighbor, you better look out because if you don't worship, I'll worship for the both of us because he is worthy and our row isn't going to be the one that does not give him worthy praise today. We're going to lift him up and praise his wonderful name. If you believe it, give him some kind of praise this morning. He said in 1 Peter 2 and 9, but you, tell your neighbor, that's me. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into notice he didn't just call us out of something but he called us into something he called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light amen he said i called you out of darkness and i brought you into light so you could show forth my praise the the call there means to invite or to call by name So God is saying, I invited you to come out of your bondage. I invited you to come out of your struggle. I invited you to come out of your darkness and come into my light for the purpose of praising me. Amen. When I think about the God of the universe calling me by my name. Amen. He said, Isaiah, he said, I know you. Jeremiah, he said, I know you. Huh? You are mine. He said, I called you by your name and you are mine. The government knows you by a number. Amen. That's all you are is a number. 
And your number will get called on April the 15th if you don't pay them taxes. But they really don't give a rip about you. They just want what they can get from you. Huh? In many systems that we deal with in the world today, we are known by a name or our title or a number. Have you ever called to get some help somewhere and you didn't get nobody, you just got a system? Thank you for calling. We're experiencing great call volume today. And we will get to you as soon as possible. If you would like to try to somewhere else, go ahead. But you are number 372 in line. And approximate wait time is six hours and 32 minutes. Amen. And I know there's nobody else done like what I've done, but I thought I'll show you and I hung up on them jokers. Only to call back later and now I'm number 899 in 10-hour wait. <laughs> Come on, somebody. But, <laughs> but aren't you glad the God of the universe, he don't got an answering machine. He doesn't have, well, your number 10,129 online, and, and I'll try to get to you in a few days. But he's an ever-present help, and when you call on him, he said, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of, praise God. He's a personal God, and I'm thankful today that he didn't call me by my social security number. He didn't call me by the number that I was born into the earth earth but he called me by my name praise God why is he so personal because two thumbprints on a person is not the same neither are two people the same and there's no two people that can bring the same praise to God no one on this earth can praise God like you can praise God but you no one else can praise him for you amen I can't bring Renee's praise I can't bring my Walt's praise I can't bring Joshua's praise because God hasn't done for me what he has done for them but only they can bring their praise and I want to tell you today that we need to understand that he didn't call us corporately and say come on over here all of y'all to one life church no he called us by our name and he said I want your praise Chris I want your praise Gary I want your praise David I want you to come and praise me and whenever we bring our praise together corporately amen we can do something greater together than we ever could apart because what we do when we bring our personal praise publicly into the presence of God it becomes a compound anointing that begins to destroy the strongholds of the enemy not only just on my life but other people sitting in the building that don't have a praise at the moment but when we come Come together corporately and give God our personal praise it'll get on them and they'll have a testimony next week they'll have a praise this week because God has done something for them you can bring God praise for the things that he has done in your life but you can't bring God praise for what he has done in someone else's life amen so God says, I'm not going to call you generically to praise me. I'm going to call you personally to praise me. Others can't understand your praise because they haven't been through what you've been through. But God is calling for your praise because they used to sing a song. They don't know the cost of the alabaster box. They don't know the cost of my praise. They don't know the cost of my worship. I've had people in the past that have had extravagant worship and it, and it, and it upset other people. Amen? But if you'd been through what they had been through, you might get off of your hiney 
and start giving him some kind of praise. Amen. Whenever you've looked death in the face and he rescued you. Amen. When your life looked hopeless and yet somehow he stepped in and made a way somehow. Amen. Whenever the circumstances of your life seemed impossible, but some way out of no way, God revealed his goodness and his grace in your life. I want to tell you, I'm a confirmed believer that the reason why that some folks praise gets on our nerves is because it convicts us of the lack of our praise. We know that God has been better to us than the praise we've been giving to him. Amen. And whenever someone else dares to step out and say, I don't care if you're going to praise him or not. I don't care. You can just sit there. But God has been too good to me and I'm going to give him glory. I'm going to get it gets on our nerves because it convicts us of our lack of worship. Amen. We don't praise God because we have victory. Amen. Some people think, well, they got it all together. Look at them. They're singing, they're worshiping, they're dancing, they're spinning. But sometimes I don't praise God because everything is going good. I praise him because I need him to come into my circumstance. I need him to show up in the things that I'm doing. Some, You see, I tell you today that I'm just like you are. I've got red blood flowing through my veins just like you do. Things break at my house just like they do at your house. Come on, somebody. But I want to tell you, I don't always feel like coming to church. I don't always, I know, you pray for me. I don't always feel like preaching, but I know that God is good. I know his mercy endures forever. And so I choose, I make a choice that I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I will make boast of the Lord. The humble will hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together amen you have to decide that he's worthy of your praise your praise has your story attached to it (laughs) amen it has what you've been through all through it and when we move into our position of worship, God moves into his position of mercy. And he begins to reveal his mercy and his grace as we begin to give him worship. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13, it said, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church that has been in disputes and been in division and and he he tells them he said for if we are beside ourselves it is for God or if we are of sound mind it is for you for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all then all died and he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. Worship is more than just us coming to church on Sunday and Wednesday and and doing something for 30 minutes. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is who we are. And when you know him, you can worship him anywhere. Amen. Amen. We don't, we don't thank God for the drums and the keyboard and the guitars. and huh? I said thank God for them. Thank God for all the music. Praise God for all of the singers and worship team. Amen. But, 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 but that's just to add to our worship. But we've got to learn how to worship him wherever we are. Our life to be a praise unto him. Amen. And we come to realize and recognize that we cannot live without him. Amen. I want there to be a greater manifestation of God's presence in my life than ever before. And if I'm going to have that, then I have to be a continual perpetual worshiper. Amen. Paul writes this letter, as I said, to the Corinthian church. And he says, 
If we're beside ourselves, it is for God. And he said, if we are sound mind, it is, and in other words, he's saying this, if I could break it down. He said, if we're beside ourselves, it's for God. In other words, if you can't understand it, it's not for you. If you don't understand my praise, it's because my praise isn't for you. But I think Paul must have had the same problem in the Corinthian church that, that we have in many churches today. He said, but if you can't understand it, it's for you. And we got a lot of folk that think church is for you. Amen. And I, and I want you to understand that, and I don't have time to preface everything I say. Uh, what we are saying here on a continual basis, it isn't complete whole truth every, every Sunday because you can't fulfill and you can't speak all the truth at one time. So that's the reason you have to come Sunday after Sunday. Amen. But, but church isn't for me. Worship isn't for me. Amen. And so it, and Paul said to the Corinthian church, if you, that's what you're wanting. If you can understand it, then it's, it's for you. But if you can't understand it, if you're beside yourself, then it's for God. And I, I just believe that the, our problem that we may be having in the American church is we've got too much church we can understand. We've got too much stuff that we can understand. It's for us. And thank God, compel men to come to Christ, right? Do what we have to do to reach out to the hurting, the broken, the downcast. But I want to tell you that there is only one thing that will change a person's life, and that is the presence of a sovereign God. And when we come into this house, it's got to be all about Him. Amen. Giving Him praise, giving Him the glory. Understand that Paul is speaking to this church that has been divided. They were judgmental. They had no unity. They had lost sight of their purpose. Their city needed them to be unified. They needed to get over their petty small things and come together. And Paul knew the power of real praise and worship. He said it's not just about having good songs. It's not about just having a tight band. It's not about having good singers but real praise and worship will take place and when it takes place it brings unity to the body glory to God I want to tell you that when we come together we come from different places we had different issues but when we start worshiping one as I said last week we turn the light on Jesus amen we turn the light on Jesus and when we turn the light on him we begin to forget forget about our petty business we forget about even the hard things of life and we begin to look to the author and the finisher of our faith and we just a few minutes ago we were disconnected just a few minutes ago we were in disunity but as we begin to lift up the name of Jesus and begin to praise him and give him glory it brought unity into the house and where there is unity there's a commanded blessing and where there's commanded blessing healing flows hope comes joy is restored darkness endures for the night but where there is unity joy is going to come up in your morning oh somebody praise him up in here today when people come together in worship they will come together in general and when we start worshiping God the critical spirit has to leave. When we start praising God, we quit judging every song. Huh? Well, I, I, I think I could have sung that better. I think I could have preached that better. I could think I could have, no, no, no. Whenever we become in unity, we forget about all of the judgmental stuff. Paul was tell the Corinthian church he said you need to get over your pettiness and quit your judging and quit being critical and get back to worshiping and loving on Jesus amen real worship heals the atmosphere amen that's why we must have real worship because we have to have an atmosphere where the healing takes place we have to have an atmosphere where anything can happen. Where the drug addicted can have hope to be set free. 
an atmosphere where the cancer will dry up in the midst of praise and worship. An atmosphere where that marriages that are broken and suffering can be restored and put back together. True worship will cause us to forget what we're divided over and cause us to begin to focus on what we're united in. Amen. We must come together because this region needs us. We must come together because, amen, this world is dying and we need to win them. Paul says when you act normal, you're, we are acting with the people in mind. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to offend anybody by being politically incorrect. Amen. But I want to tell you something today. As long as I preach this gospel... I have not been called to be politically correct. And so if you're looking for a pastor to be politically correct, you're in the wrong house, but I'm sure you can find one. Amen. And I make no apologies for it. But I am called to the gospel. And to be politically or biblically correct is the call and the mandate that God has placed upon the church. Amen. Because if you have not noticed, our government has failed to follow the principles of God. Amen. But in the midst of it all, we need a church that will still worship him. We need a church that will still put him first and give him praise and give him glory. Amen. The Bible said, but if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. This word uh, ourselves in the Greek means to be extreme. It, it is telling them, if, if, if you see me and it, and it looks like I'm a little extreme, if my dance is too much for you, if my shout is, is, is too much, if my praise is too long, amen, don't worry about it because it wasn't about you anyhow. This, this extreme praise, this extreme worship, this extravagant love, it's, it's not about people. It's about the one who died for me. It is about the one who came in to the horrible pit didn't look at my mess wasn't afraid of my sin and extracted me he didn't come with a butterfly anointing but he rolled up his sleeves and extracted me with the almighty work of grace and pulled me out of a horrible pit and set my feet upon a solid and a firm foundation he established my coming in and my going out he wrote my name in the lamb's book of life and made me a partaker of his divine nature complete in him a chosen one a called out one a predestined one royal blood flows through my veins that's the one that I worship today that's the one that I glorify that's the one that deserves our praise oh come on and bless him right here today too many times we come to check out other people but I want to tell you today we need to praise him he is worthy of our time. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our energy. Amen. And what you do during praise and worship is not for people. It is for God. Amen. Amen. I know I can't dance. Renee told me that a long time ago. Whenever I come to church, I can hop. I can out hop any of you. <laughs> Amen. You don't believe me, you think you can hop as much as I can. Let me put the weight on your back I got to hop with. Let, we'll see who can hop. <laughs> Amen. But my praise isn't about pleasing somebody else. I just want to do something a little extra to let him know that I, I'm grateful for what you've done for me. When we praise, we worship God. It unites us. He becomes the focus and the center of our attention. And when God's people begin to worship him in unity, strongholds become broken. Amen. 
And there's a sound to our praise. There's a sound to our praise. The Bible says that the whole nation of Israel was in a place where there was a restraining wall that was so thick that they could run chariots side by side on top of the wall. The thought of the day was that this wall is impenetrable. There's no way you can get through this wall because this wall is so or whatever and, and it seemed like there was no way but now the children of Israel they get into unity and God tells them all I want you to do is just give me a praise on the seventh time around huh and whenever you can read the story I, I, maybe you've read it maybe you haven't but I, I don't want to assume anything but, but whenever you read it you will find that the praise preceded the victory the Bible said they shouted with a great shout and when they shouted with a great shout the walls of the city fell down flat straight before every one of them in other words, they did not see the walls fall, Joshua, and then they shouted, but they shouted while the walls were still intact. They shouted before they ever seen a fracture crack. They shouted before there was ever any sound. But whenever the sound went up, it's the sound of freedom. And whenever they had faith to release the sound of freedom, it is the moment that their walls begin to crumble and fall down. Amen. Their praise preceded their victory. Amen. I want to tell you that all that was a whole nation that was behind those walls. But God brought them down because the nation came together. Praise God. But you see, uh, Jonathan said if by few or by many you don't have to get everybody to agree but there's a power of agreement and if you can agree together he said one of you shall chase a thousand two of you shall put ten thousand to flight amen he's talking about the power of unity when the Hebrew boys were in the fiery furnace they were in unity they were tied up they were bound up they were in the fire but they were in unity Amen. And the Bible said that it was their praise. There was a sound of praise on the inside of the fiery furnace. A lot of folks can praise him when things are going good. A lot of folks can praise him on the mountaintop. But how good is your praise when fiery trials find you? How good is your praise when you're going through the dark season of your life? Do you shut up your mouth? Do you quit praising God? Or do you bless him? I want to tell you your weapon of praise will work for you not just on the mountaintop but it'll work for you in a fiery furnace. Amen. And I hear those Hebrew boys as they came into unison and they said we're tired, we're bound, we're in this fiery flame and they cried out and the king said are you still going to hold on? And they said we know this O king. We know that our God is able to deliver us. Amen. I want to tell you today that God is still able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you're able to ask or even think amen according to the power that is working within you but you've got to have a testimony in the fiery trial of life I know he can they were in unison they said we know he can and then they were in unison as they said, we know he will. Not only can he, but he will. Praise God. How many know that God will? He will make a way out of no way. He will provide a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. He will turn the darkness into night. He will turn the sorrow into joy. Amen. Oh, King, we know that he will deliver us from these fiery flames. Amen. But they went on and they said, we also agree about this. But if not, 
But if not, we're not going to change our confession. But if he doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow down to an idol. If he doesn't make a way, we know he can, we know he will. But if he does not, I want you to know that we agree here in the midst of this fire that we're still going to worship. We're not going to give our glory. We're not going to give our honor. We're not going to give our worship to another, but we're going to worship him and him alone. Praise God. I want to tell you today that it was that unison and that unity in the midst of a fiery trial that brought them out. It was their praise on the inside. Amen. That caused God to come to where they were. I say to you today in the midst of your fire, in the midst of your trial, you see God is not scared of where you are. He's not afraid of your mess. He's not afraid of the fiery trial. But praise God if you can muster up a praise on the inside from the recepts of your soul and give him some kind of praise he will come and inhabit your praise and that's what happened on the fiery furnace those Hebrew boys said we don't know if he will but we know he is able and we want you to know that if he doesn't we're still going to worship him and what happened the Bible said the king looked in and said did we not tie three men up bind them and put them in the fiery flame but there's Shadrach Meshach Abednego and who's that who is that I know Shadrach, Meshach and Abel but the fourth man looks like the son of God oh yes I want to tell you today if we will praise him in the midst of our fire he will inhabit our praise but watch this it wasn't just amazing that he showed up in the fire but he brought them out of the fire their praise brought them out now watch this it didn't just bring them out but it brought them out in such a manner that not even the smell of smoke was upon them I want to tell you that when we'll praise God through the fire, God will bring us out amen and people won't even know what we've been through amen Paul and Silas chose to get in unison Huh? And like Mary last week, they didn't have favorable atmosphere. <laughs> they didn't have all of this good stuff going on. They were in the midst of shock, stocks and chains. Their back was bleeding. Huh? sewer was running through theologians said it was in the in the in the inner cell it was where the sewer system would run through it no doubt there was rats running around can you see it it wasn't an environment that any one of us would choose to worship God but they made a choice they said we're here today we might as well praise him we might as well give him worship and in the inner cell, in the inner dungeon, Paul and Silas made a choice to get into unity. And they began to lift up their voices together and worship God. And you read it for yourself, but the Bible said when they began to praise him, amen, the Bible said then the stocks fell off. Glory to God. I want to tell you that they didn't praise him because the stocks fell off. They praised him and as a result of their praise, the stocks fell off the doors opened up of their own accord what are you saying I'm telling you today that there is a sound to freedom and if you will praise him and give him glory he will inhabit your praise and he will give you victory in your life Moses was all by himself Whenever you're all by yourself, the Holy Spirit will be your agreement. Amen. Moses was all by himself. He had prepared his worship. And as he prepared his worship before God, so where's the lamb, Daddy? He said, God will provide himself. 
lamp. All the while knowing that it was a great sacrifice. All the while knowing he was knew what God had asked of him. This may seem like a strange thing in our day today, but during that time, idol worshipers were sacrificing their children to their idol gods. God wasn't asking or requiring anything of him that idol worshipers were not doing, even though it seems strange, even though it seems like against the heart of what God is all about. He was saying, will you do for me at least what idol worshipers are doing for their false gods? Will you bring me your Isaac? It's easy for us to bring Ishmael. Ishmael is our hurry up, help God. Make it happen. Mistake. It's easy to bring Ishmael, the one we made happen. But when he asks you for Isaac, when he asks you for the one, the seed that is connected to, to everything that you've been promised. Within Isaac is, is the beginning of the fulfillment of what he told me so many years ago. And I'm old now and I don't have time to start over. He didn't ask him for something easy. He asked him for the very seed that contained the beginning of the fulfillment of everything that was over his life. Yet Moses said, if that's what you want, God, that's what I'll give you. He faithfully carried the wood up the top of the mountain. He faithfully carried his son, took his son, took the altar and the offering all the way to the place of sacrifice. Sometimes we we mess up because we start with good intentions, but we don't go all the way. We start in this fight. We start in this journey. We give up halfway, three quarters of the way there because we say, well, we don't see God doing anything. We, it, it all looks the same. It all, nothing looks like it's changed. And we, we might as well forget it. We, we abandon our worship. But he took it all the way to the appointed place of worship. He placed the wood in order. God's a God of order. He placed the wood in order put the sacrifice on the altar you know the story God called him Abraham, Abraham been faithful been obedient come to talk to some people today you've been faithful and you've been obedient but you haven't seen the change yet come to talk to some people today that you've loved on God and you've gave him your very best and yet it doesn't look like anything's shifting anything's changing I'll tell to you more about that next week but for today I want to get somebody up the rest of the side of the mountain Today, I want to encourage somebody, don't give up halfway up. Don't give up three quarters of the way up. Come on, let's go together. Let's go to the top of the mountain together. Let's take our sacrifice to the appointed place like Abraham. 
and say, God, I'm going to give you the sacrifice. I'm going to give you what you've requested, what you've asked for. And the very act of obedience said, I've got a ram for you. Isn't it amazing, Brother Gary, how God worked that out? In his heart, he was willing to give God the very seed. Without that seed, he has no promise. But he was willing to give it. But yet, at the same time, he was willing to give it, climbed all the way up to the top of the mountain, prepared to sacrifice totally and completely. Did you catch what he prophesied to his son before they left the bottom of the hill? God will provide himself. Huh? going on at the same time I'm walking this thing out I'm doing my heart's desire I'm doing it but also I'm prophesying into my future God is going to provide himself a lamb and when he got there sure enough what he prophesied came to pass maybe you're in a place today where you've prophesied but you haven't seen the lamb you haven't seen the ram you haven't seen the promise fulfilled Maybe you're walking out in your heart, but it doesn't look like things are changing. But today, like Abraham, I just want to bring my Isaac and lay him on the altar. I want to bring my best. Just give it to you, God. This freedom weekend. I don't want to withhold anything from you. It's whatever you ask. That's what I want to give. Amen. Stand with me this morning, please.